0: Hello and welcome to the podcast of Tech EU, the Accelerator Special. Today we are going to hear from a few managers from major acceleration programs about how the crisis is affecting their organizations and how the whole industry is changing. I'm happy to be joined today by a great panel. Uh, first, Aaron Blumenthal, the Director of Global Portfolio Services at 500 Startups in San Francisco. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for joining us. Glad to be here. Now, uh, second, Antonio Pisante, the program manager at Techstars Smart Mobility Accelerator in Turin, Italy. Hey, uh, Antonio, how are you? I'm good. Great. Thank you very much. And uh, Rune Thiel, uh, the co-founder and CEO at Rockstart, headquartered in Amsterdam. Hi, Rune. Great to see you again. Hey, Andre. Good to see you. A quick disclosure: I know Runa better than uh, uh, the other two panelists because I used to work for Rockstar myself uh, a couple of years ago, and that's actually why I'm really interested in startup accelerators. Uh, and now it's really something that's uh, close, uh, kind of, to my uh, soul. And I'm really wondering what will happen to the model as a whole in the future. So let us start with the obvious question just to kind of set up the scene. And uh, how is the pandemic influencing your acceleration program? Aaron, we can start with you.
1: I see we're going alphabetical. Obviously, this is uh, something you can't plan for. And I know with uh, our program, 500 Startups in San Francisco, we were already planning to announce some changes, which were meant to be a bit more founder friendly, uh, such as our rolling recruitment model um, and a couple other things designed to accommodate our population, which is Usually about fifty percent, not from the Bay Area, or sometimes more. So we'd been doing a little bit of homework in preparation for this, without knowing that this is coming. But you know, the current challenge for us is, um, I think, for most accelerators, you know, the the, the long term value add isn't just the expertise you bring to the table; it's the connections that you're able to make. You know, I know when I went through five hundred uh, back in like twenty fourteen, the thing that lasted were the conversations and the the friendships, the connections I made with other founders. And, you know, that's that's hard to replicate in a digital format. So, you know, right now, I think our biggest challenge isn't necessarily the curriculum or the mentorship. You know, you can provide that via Zoom. It's how do we find, you know, opportunities for people to uh, really connect with one another over, you know, a, a video conference.
0: Right. Rune, how about you? What's changing for you? What's the influence like?
1: Yeah, well, similar of course,
2: difficult to plan for. But luckily enough, I mean, we we are building very specific programs within certain domains. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, three domains within sustainability, agri-food, energy, and and health. So societal themes that are positively impacting the world. Um, and and how we build out these ecosystem is across different countries and even continents. So we have been met actually with a question ourselves already prior to this COVID nineteen situation. How long should we continue to? sort of get founders and mentors and experts and investors flying into specific locations, right, to meet each other um, through, for example, a PITS event? How can we do that in a more um, a sustainable way? How can we do it in a more hybrid way where you can both be there and meet and have that personal connection that Aaron is also talking about, but at the same time be able to join the program remotely? Uh, so that's actually something that we we started working on. Sort of really when they hit the, the crisis were, were hitting, hitting us all, uh, we had two demo days planned. And one of them we decided within seventy-two hours actually to re-ramp and to turn into a virtual uh, event instead. Um having 150 of the of the signups still showing up. Um and actually finding that the aftermaths, the connection we can do, because we have better data now, we can be able to to better match make. So I think there's some benefits. We're still also trying to figure out like how can we make those personal connections matter, right? Because also investors, they often invest because they like the individuals they, they're in front of, not just because they like the business, especially at an early stage. So
0: that's what we're trying, what we're trying to work on right now. Right, of course. Antonio, what's your take?
3: Yeah, uh, for us, maybe initially it was a little bit more negative. Aaron talked about preparing, doing homework in preparation of coronavirus. Our accelerator is based in Turin, Italy, in the north of Italy. So we were probably the first... Um, Country in the Western world hit by, by the virus. So for us, it was very sad then. We had no time, not even one day, to do homework and to prepare for this. So to be honest, initially, it, it, it hit quite hard. Uh, we were very good then switching from one day to another to to virtual, still delivering value. A little bit hard because we have eleven startups uh, joining our accelerator in Turin from all over the world, from founders from nine different countries, all gathering in Turin for these three months. It was a little bit sad to you know say goodbye and say from one day to another. Look like probably we're not going to start again. And especially at the beginning, of the first weeks it was quite uncertain. It was, nobody knew the gravity of this, so we were just planning week by week. Only after a month, this became. Kind of worldwide pandemic, and uh, everybody decided to to switch virtual. Uh, but again, it was it was the, the switch was very good. Uh, I think now even virtual were able to deliver the same amount of value. Uh, as uh, Rune and Aaron has mentioned, the personal connection is an important thing, which is not easy to replicate uh, virtually. Uh, Techstars worldwide has been great. Huge support from Texas, Very reactive. Reacted since day one to to this new situation. Uh, decided what to do with the, all the 16 now accelerators that are ongoing worldwide, and uh, very good uh, reaction to this. Decided to move all the 16 demo days to virtual, and uh, so for us uh, life was quite easy thanks to all this support.
0: Are your startup founders now uh, safe and sound back home? to their yes. respective countries
3: yes all of them are back home i think only one uh, that is not from turin stayed in turin uh, because uh, of business reasons there but uh, all of them managed to go home and are still running the business and participating in the accelerator normally even from another another city
0: this is great to hear so aaron back to your uh, point about personal connections so how do you how are you approaching it uh, what do you see what, what the possibilities do you see there
1: yeah, I mean, a big part of the five hundred approach has always been like very community forward. So we're very fortunate that the founders who, you know, select our program seem to be of the type that see themselves as good citizens within a community. And you know, when I when I talk to ROPs and, you know, people who are trying to get a sense of like how is the program different, you know, what I try to communicate sometimes not very well is it's not enough to make good investment decisions. You know, of course, the market size needs to be right. Of course, the founding team needs to be qualified, all these things. We also see ourselves as picking good citizens. And that's really served us in this situation because we have a Slack community with about 4,000 people in it. So it's exactly as crazy as you would think. But these these people who are participating in there are, you know, they see themselves as citizens, right? And so an example of this might be if they see someone asking a question and they don't know the answer, but they know someone who does, they go out of their way to try to help each other get closer. And we've kind of let that run in a background, you know, for our alumni um, uh, participants and not really, you know, done a lot to feature or prioritize that, if I'm being honest, um, just sort of letting it organically grow. But what we've seen now is a resurgence uh, in there. I mean, we're definitely paying a lot of money to Slack right now for, you know these paid accounts, and they're making out like bandits, and good for them. Um, but uh, uh, finding ways to take that community that's already in motion and use, you know, add-ons or you know just good uh, community um, best practices, good socialization to really make those connections, not just to in batch folks, but people who need the help post batch. So I think you'll see a lot of, like, a lot of reach for tools that people already know. Um, just because we're all operating on a, on, a, on a deadline here. We don't have time to learn something new or experiment too much. We, we as accelerator managers have to deliver that value now. So uh, we'll get creative as founders always do with the tools we have at hand.
0: Right. So Runa, have you tried something, anything really new? And how crazy is your alumni like right now?
2: Yeah, so definitely, I mean, the the tools like Slack, right, is helping us a lot these days. Um, I think without that, it would be difficult to find that peer-to-peer connection that we love to see happening. I'm not going to tell you that I have the found the, the magic formula to make these connections happen remotely because we haven't. But one of the things we've done already in order to sort of re-ramp our programs, not only due to the crisis, but also just due to making it slightly more flexible and we think a setup that is also more attractive for the different stakeholders participating is to focus it around one week every month. So we call it a deep dive week. It allows, you know, founders, mentors, investors, etc., to 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 come in at one location um, and have the maximal impact uh, in that specific week. Um, that also means that we, as the the managers of the accelerators, can have a little bit more capacity to do social things, right? When you're running a program like we used to for half a year it actually pretty much in the end, you, you, you're pretty pretty tired. Uh, it can be exhausting. <laughs> um, and now we're sort of packing it all together in one week so we can go out for dinners and have a little party by the end of it. And I think that's actually often where the connections are, are made, right? Uh, so that allows ourselves to play uh, a more active role in that. Now, from a community online perspective, now when we're seeing the COVID-19, one of the things that we implemented is that we set up uh, startup support sessions. So these are alumni that have gone through the program 12, 13, 14, etc. And some of the experts in our network. Uh, we're pr- trying to bring alumni together uh, basically to help each other, have some peer-to-peer support around topics that they really need. So one of the things is like crisis communication. How do you communicate to your, your team? What's going to happen if you're unsure about it? How are you going to co- communicate to your to your shareholders, how you're going to communicate to the external world of customers, clients? Uh, these are all challenges that a lot of startups haven't haven't faced before. Right? The last crisis is um, more than ten years ago, so the generation of startups that we have invested in are all new to a lot of these challenges, and we're really trying to get expertise in and have them talk to each other and support each other.
0: Right, and I also wanted to ask uh, like some more of a practical question. I know that uh, some of the accelerator, some of the accelerators have. Uh, uh, spaces like physical spaces that they either own or let uh, for their startups to spend time on under one roof and so on w- what happens to that now uh, Antonio I know that you actually did something with yours right
3: yeah um, I mean for us not much I mean we are at three months 13 week accelerator and um, we had an amazing space at the uh, Turin called OGR Grande unbelievable space we are very sorry that we cannot be there um but uh, now, um, I mean, yeah, now OGR is trying also the, the space where we are in the accelerator is also trying to give the, the space to, um, to the community to help coronavirus. Now it just offered to the health authorities to make it uh, become a hospital for medium intensive care for the meantime, uh, which is a very, very, very nice initiative from, uh, from them. And yeah. Um, regarding us at techstars the way of supporting founders like going along with uh, what aaron and uh, rune said the, the community was very important so getting in touch with the alumni and uh, techstars companies that are in similar situation other than this also the um, some concrete help from techstars for example for the investments techstars was able to um to change the maturity date of the outstanding convertible notes and this was to to help the companies that could uh, uh, change their initial decision on the convertible node based on this new situation. This was very helpful for them. So both community side and investment side, um, Texas was very, very helpful to, um, to support the startups in these tough times.
0: Right, before we started recording, Rune, you mentioned that you were probably right now the only person in a 3000 square meter uh, space. So uh, how was it going with your, with your physical space? What are you gonna do with it?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question, Andrea. I wish, I wish I had the, the, the answer to that question. Um, I mean, we have actually uh, five locations. We have three in the Netherlands. We have one in Denmark and one in Colombia, where we also run programs. Um, you know, we still see, of course, that we, we will be in need of running events and having a physical space. Um, so it will exist within, within Rockstar, and we're trying to find ways to be creative around it. Uh, whether we can have some, you know, uh, diff- different, different kind of uh, tenants as well, like d- joining us, because it's always been very startup focused. Uh, we're considering whether we can do something very specific around the domains, since we're in with agri, food, energy, and health, and emerging tech. Could we have like specific spaces that would then encapture the entire the entire ecosystem? Right. That's that's one of the things. But
0: um, yeah, it's a good question. <laughs> Aaron, what's your setup like?
1: Yeah, I mean, we've got offices all over the world, of course, and each office is subject to its country's guidelines with respect to like social distancing and all that. Speaking for the San Francisco office, we're in San Francisco, at least uh, in terms of like the states, we're really focused on flattening the curve. So I haven't left this room or this house in a very long time, and I'm starting to go a little insane. I miss the office. I worry that there are bears and raccoons there just because no one has been downtown uh, for a while, but um, I think after you know we get you know through this initial uh, pass, you know we'll we'll be reopening as soon as it is possible, just because so many founders of ours are here, um, they stay after the programs, and they count on that space um, as just a way to stay sane during times like these, just like I do. so uh, yeah, right now it's it's mostly just a ghost town, but I, I, I hope to get back there soon.
0: But just to understand, uh, Aaron, about uh, uh, your uh, new structure, uh, did I understand correctly that you are going online for good?
1: The material changes that 500 is making to its program is rather than having two points a year where we recruit, you know, and um, start a batch and then stop a batch, that doesn't really mimic a founder's life cycle. I've started seven companies and never was I, you know, ready at one moment in time. What we found with our customer startups uh, is that we want to be ready to help them at a time when we can do the most good. And so thus the recurring model was born. I mean, we'll still do the same number of investments per year. It's just rejiggering the system so that they can access um, the content that's most uh, applicable to their business at a time that makes the most sense. I mean, when I, again, went through the batch, a lot of stuff that I learned was interesting, but it wasn't necessarily immediately applicable. And so redesigning the program with that in mind um, has been top of mind for me ever since um, I took over the San Francisco program. But, but I will say that the, um, the founder experience, because, you know, we are pretty international does have online components, does have in-person components. We're not thinking of that as being in person, or at least we're not planning for that um, as our primary um, goal for this upcoming batch. And we think of batches, not as when companies start, but rather than when they complete. So the batch that's going to graduate in August, September, we're planning on that being primarily virtual, unless something changes. But again, you know, we had that machinery in place anyway, we're just really gonna have to lean into it uh, and get used to having Zoom calls with 80 people on them at once. <laughs> That's our new normal.
0: But you will try to bring people in the same room uh, the moment it is safe and uh, possible.
1: Certainly, yeah, and you know that's we do that with alumni all the time. Anyway, alumni are an integral part of how we think of an in batch process because when you join an accelerator, you're not just joining the programming that's right in front of you. You should be joining, you know, the community that's gone ahead. Show me all the direct to consumer brands that have, you know, gone five or six steps ahead of me and make those kind of connections. Those are the real connections that I'm trying to prioritize: is founder to founder and intergenerational, um, as opposed to just having a co working space. Um, I think that's where accelerators like all of ours add the most value, is people who have, who are at where you're at or have done what who, who have done what you're doing and making those connections so you can learn a little bit faster than the other folks.
0: So the consensus we're having here is basically that it's still much better to have in-person uh, connections, offline connections, people talking to each other in the same room type of connections. Uh, and next, uh, next question, I had like a really short and... Uh, practical one for everyone uh did you change in any way your term sheets after the crisis started what's uh, uh, any changes at all uh, aaron
1: no um we're we're not thinking of it in that way um we recently released a survey uh as a function of our last demo day that talked to you know our investor network about our people doing that and you've seen a lot of like shade thrown on twitter for people who are renegotiating term sheets and things like this and you know we're Obviously, pretty early on, and and all that stuff. So a lot of the stuff doesn't apply to us directly. But we're maintaining our our vision of being founders first, founders focused, and not renegotiating any commitments you already made or making any changes to the programs that are going to start this year.
0: Runa, did you did you have make any changes at all? Uh, yeah.
2: So I mean, not too long ago, we raised our first uh, first fund. Right. We came from being an accelerator from 2012 to 2019. 19, and our first fund. Um, are now 18 million euros invested in equity food startups. I mean, we, we we are just learning a lot. So to, to tell you that we're not changing the terms moving forward based on those learnings <laughs> it would not be true. So we're constantly reassessing. Um, but we have the same DNA. Actually, one of our core values is found a focus at all times, um, and that 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 we will stick stick to. Of course, we want to make sure that we are the investor who will who will support them through this journey, uh, and that means that we will be offering attractive terms. That that's how to work with the best people. We believe.
0: But what sort of changes do you envision will have to happen because of the because of the outbreak? Uh,
2: we we're still we're still assessing it, right? But I think um, we we kind of looking at like what certain certain caps on on a, on a convertible loan that we had, and whether that still whether that still holds uh, in a market, let's say uh, in a year from now, for example. Uh, but there's obviously no changes to to previous agreements. That
3: should
0: be very clear, right? Um, that's not the way to operate. How about yourself, Antonia? What do you What do you think?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mentioned before, like, uh, um, and I agree with um, with uh, with who spoke before me. Uh, founder first, so uh, not only like the investment terms won't change, and Taxers committed publicly not to change the investment terms and not to change any existing commitments, but also to support the founders even more during this tough time. So I mentioned before the extension of the outstanding convertible notes. That are automatically auto extended, but also uh, the re reoffering the convertible notes that were recently declined. It's reoffering the option to the startups to accept it again, given the the new um, the new situation, the whole new situation, and uh, and given the fact that the startups may reevaluate this offer.
0: Right. Yeah. This is great. So uh, let's talk a little bit about the business models of accelerators, and I already see that, I mean, there are. Fewer and fewer accelerators that could be sort of uh, called like pure accelerators, like the one uh, they used to be. Aaron is talking about uh, uh, no cohort model. Uh, Rune is talking about uh, um, uh, raising uh, raising the fund for agri food startups. So like things are kind of blurring as far as I can see. But still, how do you see the future of the business model of an accelerator, and is it going to actually exist? I know five years from now, in its uh, sort of pure form, starting for from uh, Antonio this time.
3: Yeah. Um, I think the model is good. I mean startups, uh, and uh, it's pretty clear that startups are getting a lot of benefits out of it. The main benefit uh, um, that we know is the network. So yeah, having access to um, we mentioned before the alumni, but also mentors, uh, mentors locally and worldwide for early stage startups is just invaluable. What they need is network, what they need is great suggestions and a great introduction. And the Startup Accelerator is able to give this plus uh, financial support, plus um, some um, good guidance at the beginning of, uh, of the life of the startup. Uh, so um, I think the model is working and uh, um, it will continue to, to go on like this.
0: Right, Rune, what do you think? Do you see changes in the erosion in the model, if you will?
3: Yeah,
2: so I think like the big peak of accelerators sort of happened around 2014, right? We started like 211, and I know Techstars is older, 500, I think 210 or so. Correct me if I'm wrong there. But, um, and then a massive outburst in accelerators in 2014, 15. And then we've seen them going different directions. I think the ones, the, categ- the first category is sort of going for the government funding that could be for Europe, like EU schemes, etc. Then there are some that went for the uh, sort of corporate model, where you, you team up with a corporate and it basically becomes more like a corporate innovation, corporate accelerator. And then there's the ones that are working in it for the equity of the of, of the companies, right? Uh, where you take an equity position and you're really working yourself uh, together with the startups to make money on that equity position. And in that category where we are in, I mean, uh, I str- strongly believe that uh, an accelerator have a, have a massive value at... I think the idea that an accelerator is sort of the school of entrepreneurs, maybe that was the case when we started out. But right now, what 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 entrepreneurs are actually getting into, it's much more of a very condensed, very effective ecosystem that allows them to elevate in a, in a short amount of time, both in terms of their learning on what it takes to build a company, but also in terms of what the industry actually looking for and get the connections. Um, and I think that will continue to be extremely valuable. And then the question is, of course, making money on that equity right when you're investing so early states with really high risk not everyone will will be able to to manage that um, because it means that you have to return money to investor maybe two three four times to be looked at as a as an interesting proposition um, for limited partners who will invest into funds that are running accelerators so uh, it, it's really only time will tell to be honest, uh, it's clear that some of the U.S.-based ones we also have in this call are already already there, have already managed to to, to secure that position, gone through one crisis already uh, for some of them. Um, but there's a whole sort of next-level development, right, where the the accelerator coming a bit later still have to prove themselves as a as a position in the market. I would say.
0: What do you hear from your own uh, LPs? So
2: it, it's kind of, I'm kind of talking about it as a new asset class, uh, not uh, venture, not venture capital, but Accelerator VC. Uh, so it's, uh, it's an earlier stage, it's more higher risk, it's a different dynamic of the funds, meaning we do a lot more, more participations. And we really have focus on these, this initial investment to add a lot more value in the, in, in the early states. Um, and I strongly believe in that. I think uh, that model is, is going to show really, really interesting returns. Uh, because we built a massive network around it that allow us to do the mass set of investments, but at the same time, also a lot of value add, right? And that's a difficult one with later stage funds. Like you see that that a partner maybe can have uh, five to 10, 15 deals, right? And we're working with a lot more companies. So we have a lot more opportunities to, to hit a couple of companies that will go really big. So uh, let's see. I mean, uh, time will tell whether we, uh, we're really going to make uh, high performance. But I think limited partners, so the investors putting money into these funds uh, running accelerators, are, are, are seeing the same, right? They're they 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 they're looking to see if this is something that's really going to make high returns compared to
0: venture capital funds.
1: All
0: right. Aaron, what's your take?
1: I think the thing that I've been with 500 for four years now, and the thing that surprised me about getting on the other side of the table is that accelerators are just like any other product or service. There was an entry, there were big names, um, there was um, uh, the addition of competitors, specialization, all these other sorts of things. And in this way, I think for founders specifically, you know, I try not to characterize myself as a venture capitalist. I try to see myself as more of a founder advocate. And I know that sounds like splitting a hair, but to me, part of the application process at 500 is me trying to help a founder figure out, is this the right tool for the job? You know, the point about this being an asset class, absolutely agree. Um, However, what's unique about this asset class is it's the only class that chooses who's going to service this, right? So if I want a car loan or if I want a mortgage or I want that kind of stuff, I go and I pick that, right? But I don't really care too much about the qualities outside of As a consumer, I don't really care too much about the qualities outside of like a couple of things. Here, it's really incumbent upon um, startup founders these days to know what are the full range of options I can get. And based on what my weaknesses are, based on what my company needs, does this particular program, whether we call it accelerators, incubators, who knows, right? Is this going to help me get through the next 12, 18 months? Is this the right fit? And so it's really incumbent upon the shopper, startups in this case, do a bit more shopping and to really understand the the, the options, the differences, because they're not all the same. Um, I tell 80% of founders who I like, talk to me in eight months because you're not ready for this yet and help them understand why, or this is just not going to be the program for you. However, there are these other options that you should consider. So, you know, I think the space has evolved. I think accelerators will always be around. I think so long as there is a need for knowledge, and there always will be, um, and a need for a way to cut through all the bullshit you can find on YouTube, say these are the things that you should be focusing on, um, then there will be a place for accelerators. I don't think that's going away anytime soon. But I think the the market needs to evolve. The the shoppers need to evolve just as much as the market has. Um, and I think that's what we're looking at You know, now in the time of COVID more than ever.
0: And do you feel like uh, the business model underneath uh, the accelerators uh, would change in the future, or do you feel it's going to stay largely the same?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I think that that's something we've been taking a hard look at. at look at at five hundred. Um, what I can tell you is that we were made fun of for quite some time about the spray and pray approach, which is what people, you know, call what, what how we think of it. But really, what our approach, which is unique, admittedly. Um, it, because it is founder-focused, that cuts both ways, right? So what I learn about founders during their time with us, and given COVID, you know, I'm struggling to figure out how to get the same level of information, is not just what is this business about, but who are the people driving it, right? When you get to funds that are like later stage investments, all that kind of stuff, so much of the formative tissue around what makes a startup a startup has already solidified, right? The pro- what, I, what I know is that the product's going to change the market's going to change. There's any number of things about a startup that's going to change, but what doesn't change usually are the people driving it. And so for our investment thesis, you know, we want to make a bunch of bets early and get to know these people so we can understand who are they, what are they like, what do they act like in crisis situations like these and use that intelligence to double down later on when we know not just more about the market, more about how they how uh, how the market's responding to their solution, but also who are the people driving this thing And should I maybe give them a few million more dollars? So I think different funds will have different models, different ways of thinking of this. This is something we've really leaned into and it's worked for us. But, um, you know, I, again, this is just like any other service or product It's going to evolve. And I think you'll see a lot of other programs, whether they equity or not, evolving to adjust to, you know, what's currently available out there.
0: Right. So we're almost through our uh, allowed uh, time for today. And uh, what I wanted to do is I wanted to ask you to do some crystal ball looking, if you will, uh, for uh, the startups. So, uh, Rune, I wanted to start with you because I've just read your recent uh, post on Medium where you advise startups to postpone any fundraising uh, effort until like 2021. So can you just outline why do you think this is the right uh, thing to do now?
2: Yeah, that that is correct. I did I did write that up and I also wrote if you can, <laughs> because some startups True. cannot.
0: Um,
2: and obviously we try we're trying to up best to support there. But reality is that in a situation like this, that that, that just hit us from one day to the other, right? Um, investors, you know, the first thing they will do is they will turn around, they will look towards their portfolio, uh, and they will spend the first quarter or two to figure out like which companies still need need support for them, might need refinancing, might need new value proposition, new strategy, etc. Like that, th- that that's their number one objective, right? And then they start looking towards the market again. Um and there everything has changed overnight. Um so founders will will, will probably, you know, f- find it find it difficult unless they're really benefiting from this situation, or they're already on a very, very strong t- stock trajectory. And if they are and already have shareholders, you would expect existing shareholders already to step in and show interest, right? So there will be some signaling effect uh, for the ones that are not able to uh, to raise financing from the existing shareholders. Um, just because, yeah, uh, well, the, the, the market basically will, will will start deciding which one have an opportunity to uh, to raise additional financing. So it, it, it will be challenging if you're not already in discussions uh, with investors, if you already have terms agreed upon, if you already have a term sheet, then, you know, Make sure that you close it as soon as possible. Get the round, uh, yeah, finalized. Get the cash in, and and make sure that you plan for for the situation. Um, but going out like starting a fundraising process right now, I think can be extremely challenging, especially if your performance is impacted due to this crisis. Because many investors would also that's the last thing that I wrote about, like actually waiting it out and see what happens, right? Nobody in a hurry to deploy capital in a market where valuations are going down rapidly, where market opportunities for these startups are disappearing really fast. Um, so you could very easily waste your time as a founder trying to raise money in Q3 and Q4. And Q2, of course, that's we in right now. So definitely push it as far as you can. And I let's see how this crisis develops. But let's say by end of the year, with expectation of closing in, in Q1 2021, I think would be a good strategy if you manage to restructure um and maybe refinance with existing uh, shareholders in a way that you uh, you can get there
0: right antonio what are you advising your uh, startups in the in the portfolio now yeah i agree with this from the
3: um, I agree with Rune. from the financial perspective i think this is uh, um, this is the best advice like cash is king right now try to 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 go th- through these um tough times with, uh, with the existing cash, leveraging on the existing shareholders for new rounds, if are actually needed, expecting from them, from them maybe slightly smaller uh, ticket uh, size uh, than usual. And then uh, just looking at what's happening. This is from the financial perspective that uh, Rune highlighted very well. From, from more like strategic perspective, I feel also that with this whole new situation, many sectors have been unlocked. Not only biotech, but uh, you know, um, like politics. Now everybody's talking about universal basic income much, much more than before. Uh, public administration, global coordination—all these things are now uh, are now becoming urgent, whereas they were not before. And these unlock business opportunities for the founders. So it's totally important. Uh, I mean. Uh, advice, of course, financially, but also strategically, trying to uh, readapt and reshape to this whole new situation. Because who knows? Maybe there are more opportunities out there than than before.
0: Right, Aaron, what's your crystal ball telling you? And what you're telling the startups?
1: My crystal ball telling me, gosh. Um, well, plus one to everything that Rune said. Like that's all great advice. Um, I, the only, the only thing I think I can add um, that wouldn't just be a rehash is you know if you're a founder out there and you're worried about how this makes you look like i've long been of the opinion that the venture capital machine <laughs> has socialized founders to think about that up into the right curve at all costs right and number one it's it's utter bullshit <laughs> and you got to build a good business that's that's what makes this thing work um and number two everyone else is going through this right now right so it's not as though, you know, fast forward six, eight, 12 months, however long, you know, this nightmare lasts, every, everyone's going to have that same, whoop, you know, and don't hold yourself to an impossible standard, just like that curve, right? Rely on business fundamentals. You've got to take care of your customers. Um, I would generally see anybody who's able to hold, you know, 0% growth right now as like an incredible sign. Is like you circle the wagons around the people who make your business work, the customers who buy your product or service, right? Um, And you were able to defend that during the most challenging of times. Um, What I see a lot of founders also do, you know, is kind of freak out. Do I need to start layoffs? Do I need to start, you know, thinking about all these crazy things? And the answer, of course, is yes. But it's not as though your customers, your staff, your investors weren't counting on you already, right? This isn't a new weight on your shoulders it's just kind of taken a different shape so it's important to recognize the gravity of the situation without letting that gravity crush you and it, this is just the hand you were dealt you know this is a, your your first major test of your ability to navigate a crisis as a leader and it's important that you just recognize that and sit with it and you're probably not going to get everything right and that's also okay this is why accelerators like what all of us operate here are so important is to help you think through these things you know these are the options i feel like i have on the table what are the implications of picking each one and get good advice from people who probably have a good idea of what they're talking about as opposed to going to youtube and looking for you know whatever podcast is up you know that day so much bad information out there so yeah this is a time for startups to rely on their networks to come back to their communities um and i think you know Uh, prioritizing the survival of the business and the sanity of the founders should be step zero in that process.
0: Right. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And this is time for us to wrap it up. This is it for today's episode of our podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And please help us spread the word, tell a friend or colleague about the show and follow our updates on Twitter at tech underscore EU. Audio engineering for our podcast is done by sound pulse that is sound pulse.com. Please feel free to email us with any questions, suggestions and opinions at podcast at tech EU. Once again, great panel today. Rune, of Rockstar, Antonio of Techstars, Aaron of 500 Startups. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining today. Thanks for your advice and your insight. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So wherever you are, we hope you stay safe and healthy and can take care of yourself and people around you. Have a good week and I'm going to talk to you next Monday. Bye-bye.